In a city of three million, it could be easy to feel lost, to always be busy and online while never really being connected. 312, Park Near North's Young Adult Ministry is focused on developing community and discipleship for young adults in Chicago. We'd love for you to join us, whether you're single, married, or dating, and take part in one of our monthly events or semi-annual retreats to build a community of fellowship that helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus. 312, knowing God and making God known in Chicago and to the ends of the earth. Well, hey everyone, uh, welcome to 312 Night. Uh, my name's Josh Moore, as Sam mentioned, uh, and I have the opportunity of helping lead 312. I get to work with Sam and others pretty much every day. Um, and while I'm really excited about young adults ministry and young adults in Chicago, what I get really fired up about is faith at work. Um, and so I've been thinking a lot about this topic for the last few years, and I'm just really excited uh, to be able to share uh, some of my thoughts and some of my learnings with you all. Um, so when I'm not at 312, I work at Deloitte in their management consulting practice. And for the last five years, in addition to doing consulting, I've also had the privilege of leading our, um, a group called Deloitte uh, Christian Fellowship. DCF for short. And Deloitte Christian Fellowship actually started back in the 1980s in the UK and South Africa in just Bible studies and small groups. And over the last 40 years has grown into this global network of 2,500 people. And these are people from 23 different countries, 115 different offices, some offices and countries where there's no access to the gospel. And I didn't know this when I joined Deloitte, but the journey I've been on in the last five years has transformed my understanding of God's design and God's purpose for our work. And so I'm so excited to share some of these thoughts with you. And before I begin, uh, Sam actually mentioned this, the, the B word, burnout. And I wanna take a minute just to address what I have seen as a general trend in Chicago, in church, but in particular in work, and that is burnout. Some people here tonight may be feeling really tired of work. Maybe it was a long day today, maybe it's busy season, and I think when we're in those seasons of burnout, we can feel isolated and feel like it's almost impossible to relate our work with some greater purpose. Some of you may be thinking, I'm not really thriving, I'm surviving. And this is an issue for all of us. We have to recognize that work at best is hard and frustrating, and at worst is drudgery and leads to apathy. There have been times in my life when I've struggled with this too. And in these seasons, I've asked myself this question, does my work matter to God? Does it even matter? And so tonight, I'd like to start by posing this question, Does your work matter to God? Does your work have anything to do with God's larger work that he is doing all around us? Citizen Kane is considered by most critics to be the greatest film ever made. It came out in 1941 and won nine, or was nominated for nine Academy Awards. And I'm a big movie buff. I've been wanting to watch this movie for years, and I recently finally got the opportunity to watch it on a plane. 
And I was amazed by the fact that a movie that was released 80 years ago still stands the test of time. Uh, the, The cinematography and the directing are genius works of art, but it's not that that relates to us today. It's the story. The story compels all of us. And if you haven't seen this movie, Citizen Kane examines the life of a man named Charles Foster Kane, who is a self-made titan of industry. He grew up on a farm and he rose to be a man that had everything. The ear of presidents, the attention of actresses, a company and an empire that shaped the world, an estate with a worth impossible to estimate. And though he had achieved everything he could professionally and had built up this empire, he neglected the relationships closest to him. This is a man who had everything and achieved everything you could in life, and yet his ambition, his success, his narcissism, and his wealth, it destroyed him, and it distracted him from what mattered. And he dies, in this movie, he dies a lonely man in an empty house with really no legacy to leave beyond his name. For many of us, we too misuse work. We let ambition, success, security, comfort, and significance get in the way. And the issue is that when we do this, we lose the joy of work. And we can feel disconnected from others, from ourselves even, and most importantly, from our creator. But God made a different way. And in the way that he is making all things new, he makes work new too. So what I hope to take out tonight is this big idea that God makes all things new through Christ-centered work. And tonight we're going to be looking at work through two different lenses. We're going to be looking at work in the beginning and work in the future. And we're going to be answering the questions, why do we work and does my work or why does my work matter to God? I'm going to be going over a lot tonight, and I just want to start off by saying these are not my original ideas I did not come up with all these amazing frameworks and thoughts, and so I'm actually gonna uh, dedicate part of this night to just going through some resources, and so if there's something I say tonight that's really interesting, uh, there's more sources for additional reading and reflection, and I'm also happy to like actually point you to where I got uh, each of those ideas if you really wanna explore them. All right, so let's start off with the first idea, which is why do we work? We'll go to the next slide. Yep, so there's four reasons I want to cover for why God created work. The first reason is that our work is God's original intent. I think there's a lot of people that have this common misconception that work is somehow a result of brokenness, that work is somehow a result of the fall, Uh, and and, and, and that it's truly God's backup plan or that it's his plan B. In Genesis, God says, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over the creatures that move along the ground. This was the very beginning of time. And so what we see from this is we see that work is good, that work was actually God's plan A, and that God made us to work. In this passage, we see three things. The first is that God worked from the beginning, and God creates, he cultivates, and he equips. He's doing that here, and kind of throughout the entire Bible, that's what he's doing. The second is that God worked in community and relationship. Let us make man in our image. Uh, It's this idea of having relationship and community with himself in the Trinity. And the same things for us. We were meant to work with others. 
And the last one's that God created us in his image. And not just in his image, but in his image to work, to also create, cultivate, and equip. We are to rule and reign over the created order as we are in God's image. And in working, we actually exercise a unique difference between humanity and the rest of the created order. And that's that we reflect the image of God when we work. Why do we find so much splendor and fulfillment with good work, right? Maybe it wasn't a good day, to, maybe it wasn't a good day today, but maybe some of you guys had an amazing day at work and you're feeling on a high. The reason we get so excited with fulfilling work is because it's our design and it points back to our creator. All right, the second reason is our work reveals our divine need. Work is meant to show our need for God. And even in the beginning, even when things were perfect, even when we had a perfect relationship with God, we were meant to depend on him in work. But the world today is broken. I don't need to tell you that. Work is no longer perfect. Now it's hard. And as we are created in the image of God, we're now called to bring back the joy of work. 83% of U.S. workers suffer from work-related stress. I think the saddest part about this uh, stat is that very few people in this room are even surprised by that, right? We know stress. Work and stress go hand in hand. And we all have different work experiences, but no matter what, we can all agree work is hard work. Work required dependence on God originally, but now work can be drudgery. It can be fruitless, it can be pointless, it can be selfish. But fortunately, the good news about when we depend on God is that work can also sanctify us. And it's one of the primary ways that God intends to make us more like Jesus. We've been talking a lot about how we follow Jesus Monday through Saturday with this last series. And if I ask someone that's here tonight to describe their Monday through Saturday, most individuals would start off with work. They'd start off with talking about what they did at work. And think about the power and the possibility if we depended on Christ at work. I think so much of our Monday through Saturday goes unused for the kingdom of God. If we approached our work the same way as our relationships, our volunteering around the city, our time at church, you see, when we leave faith at the door when we go to work, we're actually stunting our spiritual growth because few areas of life offer this kind of challenge. So when we have an opportunity that seems hopeless at work, we all will, if not tomorrow, in the, few, in the next few weeks. You know, it could be a relationship with a boss or coworker that's challenging. It could be dreading a task, just feeling drained. The answer is so often is just to get out and, and switch jobs. But instead, I challenge everyone to prayerfully consider what God is doing in that. What are the bigger purposes that our work has and what are the deeper heart issues that are in all of us that are making it so draining? Let's lean into those opportunities for God to redeem those areas and refine us. All right, the next reason is that our work brings glory to God. And I wanna start off with this great quote that I heard, which is that who you work for is more important than what you do. Who you work for is more important than what you do. 
One of the tenets of the Reformation was actually the idea that there is innate glory to God in ordinary work. Martin Luther said, the Christian shoemaker does his duty not by putting little crosses on the shoes, but by making good shoes, because God is interested in good craftsmanship. I am a consultant, I fly a lot, and if I was on a plane and had a pilot that was a Christian, what would I want them to do? Would I be, I, I mean, I'm sure I'd be happy if they got on and they talked about the everlasting hope and peace of Jesus. But more than anything, I'd want them to do their job and land the plane. There's so much pressure to find the perfect job that aligns with our interests, our talents, our giftings. It provides the perfect work-life balance. It gives us the money that we want. And the idea of choosing our own profession is relatively new. It's privileged and it's modern. You know, for centuries, people just did what their parents did, right? They farmed their own land. They took care of the house. And even today, you might never find your perfect dream job this side of heaven. But our work doesn't end this side of heaven. Our work in heaven will be our perfect dream job. The work we do today points to eternity. So let me address two quick myths on this, and then we'll go on to the fourth point. And I, I want to use sports analogies for both of these ideas. So the first myth is what I like to call the second string phenomenon. And this is where we believe that in God's eyes, there's an A team and a B team with work. We may feel like our work is thought of as more or less by God. And if we were to put this in what I would call a, a pyramid of holy work, it might look a little bit like this. Right? So at the top, you have the most holy professions. You have international missionaries and full-time ministers. And as you move farther and farther down this pyramid of holy work, you get to less and less holy work and inherently more and more selfish work. Right? I think the funny thing is that a lot of us kind of inherently have this thought in our head. Right? Dorothy Sayers, the 20th century English crime writer and poet, said, In nothing has the church so lost her hold on reality as in her failure to understand and respect the secular vocation. She has allowed work and religion to become separate departments. And the reality is that there is no divide between holy work and non-holy work. Let's go to the next few. All work is holy work. We're all part of God's starting lineup. Building a bridge is no less holy than giving to the poor. And work is made holy when we do it for King Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, we all work for the same person. We work for King Jesus. And we're sons and daughters of the king doing kingdom work. There is no delineation in the eyes of God, and God has equal significance and purpose for your work. The second myth is the championship phenomenon. And this is where God's glory is somehow tied to our performance. This myth means that God is glorified when we just work really, really hard on our own strength, and then we give God the credit or a shout out at the end of the game. This phenomenon leads to glorifying God in the output of our work rather than the daily processes doing things when, that we don't want to do, serving humbly, being obedient, treating difficult coworkers with respect. 
I once heard the quote that really helped me in this area, which was, work hard, work smart, and trust God. Work hard, work smart, and trust God. And remember, who you work for is more important than what you do. We reflect our creator when we work for him. All right, the next and final point uh, for why we work is that our work actually brings human flourishing. So many of us believe that work is just a way to earn money or to survive or to fund the things that we really care about, but it's so much more than that. Work can bring shalom. It can bring the ideas of peace and flourishing to a broken world that needs it. The goal of work is to bring more awe of God's work and not our accomplishments. And we have a choice for how we direct who we work for. Our work can be self-centered or it can be God-centered. Shalom is a mark of God-centered, spirit-led work. To make the lofty idea of shalom a little bit simpler, I want to look at the fruit of the Spirit and how that ushers in shalom. The fruit of the Spirit is from the end of Galatians. There's nine of them. And what I did is I listed them here on this slide, and I thought about, okay, what would it look like to bring this fruit at work and really live that out? How would you describe the fruit of the Spirit in the workplace? And then I also thought about, okay, what would be the opposite of that in the workplace? So love isn't just love. It's unselfish and uncalculated commitment. Joy is hope independent of circumstances. Peace, deep contentment and well-being. Patience, the common man's mercy rooted in God's forgiveness that's shown to others. Kindness is love with legs. It's mentoring, it's encouragement, it's volunteering. Goodness is integrity. It's doing the right thing the right way all the time. Faithfulness is valuing commitment over preference and persevering even when difficult. Gentleness is gracious restraint and failing fast. Failing fast, especially for those who are in the startup world. And self-control, discipline and maturity. Now, I want you all to look at the two columns. What company doesn't have corporate values that align with the left? that align with the fruit of the Spirit, right? Every corporate value is aligned to this idea on the left, the ideas on the left. And yet so many of our workplaces can be categorized by the values on the right. And I think what this indicates is not that we're not aiming for the wrong, the right thing. We're aiming for the right thing in corporate America. We're relying on the wrong person when we try to do these things. So what describes your office? And let's think about a team, an office, a company, a city, a world that would be marked by spirit-led work, the stuff on the left. That would transform the world. All right, so now that we've gone through the four reasons for why we work, I want to turn the page to our second question tonight, and that's why does our work matter to God? What's God's mission and vision for work? Well, we know from Scripture that God's number one agenda, his grand scheme, his big idea, is the renewal and restoration of all things. And it's for his glory and for our good and joy. We, uh, we see in Revelation 21 that God is standing at the end of time from his throne room saying, Behold, I am making all things new. And if that doesn't give you hope in a broken world, in broken societies, in broken companies, I don't know what will. 
that, that's great news. If you're new to Jesus or Christianity, I want to share that the Bible mentions that we rejected God, that we deserved to be cast aside forever. We did not deserve to be made new. But it's in God's love, it's in his goodness, it's in his faithfulness for us that God decided to renew us. He pursued us through sending his son to pay the penalty for our mistakes. And this is good news that now that Jesus has restored us to relationship with our Father, God is doing a new work in us. God could have cast us and the rest of society and the entire cosmos aside, but he didn't. God is making all things new, and he's doing a new work in us. He's making societies new, and he's making nations new. God is accomplishing this namely in the heart of people, bringing abundant life to people through the power of God's spirit. Now I want you all to close your eyes for just a few seconds and think back to today at work. Think back to the busyness, the successes, the failures, conversations with coworkers, deliverables. Okay, you can open up your eyes. So many of us, when we think back to the last few hours of today or just work in general, really struggle to connect what we do in the grind of our days to the mission and ultimate plan of God. We think, oh, it's great that God, God's making all things new, but I don't know what that means for my workplace. Our, my goal tonight is to show you that what you're doing, and I wish I could literally say this to each and every one of you, and what you did today at work is accomplishing God's mission of restoring and renewing all things. God has an eternal purpose for your work. Whether you are in a corner office leading a company or you're at uh, at the bottom of the corporate totem pole, you're a student, you're full-time ministry, you're searching for work, God has an eternal purpose for you. Whether we know it or not, in work, we're always building Right? We're building relationships, we're building a reputation, we're building deliverables, ventures, initiatives, companies. And to summarize, we're building a kingdom. We're either building our kingdom or we're building God's kingdom. And I like to define the word kingdom because I think that's a very Christianese term. So I like to define the word kingdom as the domain surrendered to the authority of a particular person or thing. So this isn't just biblical, this isn't just in fairy tales. This is true every single day, and this applies to both the intangible and the tangible, right? The intangible being relationships, thoughts, ambitions, attitudes. Who are we, what are we surrendering those things to? Who are we surrendering those things to? And how are we surrendering our products, services, workplaces, and companies? What are we building those things towards? And when we fail to build God's kingdom and we build our own, we typically fall into two camps. I've actually been in both of these camps. I believe that you can go, kind of swing back and forth in different seasons. And it's either your work is an idol, I-D-O-L, or your idol, I-D-L-E, in your work. Work's either the ultimate thing for you or you're apathetic towards work. And if you, I'm gonna walk through these, but as I'm walking through these, a, idol and idol is a sign that we're not fully realizing the eternal purpose of our work, and we may need to more fully surrender our work to God. 
This is often a pendulum, as I mentioned. Um, and so I'm going to walk through each of these. So the first one's IDOL, I-D-O-L. And the definition of this is that work isn't just a good thing. It's the ultimate thing. Work is life. And you are defined by what you do. The symptoms of this could be that work is the primary consumer of our time, attention, and passions. It's the primary source of our satisfaction day in and day out. You live or die by your achievements and recognition from coworkers. It's ultimately to make your name great, if you're being honest, and to make a difference for yourself. And I've been in this, in this uh, spot many times in my life, and the key question I ask to diagnose is how do you respond when your career doesn't go according to plan? Do you feel angry? Do you feel frustrated? Do you feel disappointed? People ask so much of their work. They ask too much of their work. And everyone wants to be a difference maker. The problem with this perspective is you have to ask yourself, what's next? I recently read a book that explored uh, the life of Larry Ellison. Larry Ellison's the founder and CEO of Oracle, and today he's worth $112 billion. Okay? He's a man that you would look at him and think he has achieved everything in life. But the book detailed his unending pursuit of another wealthy tech mogul, Bill Gates. And it detailed the impact that that unending pursuit had on his life. And they actually interviewed close friends and family. And the man, even though he's worth $112 billion, was never satisfied. Matthew 16.26 says, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? What's next? And what is there to gain? When I've been in these seasons, I've been encouraged by these ideas, which is that we are more than our work. You are worth more than what you do. Philippians 3, 4 to 8 details this beautiful passage where Paul talks about this idea. He lays out his spiritual resume and he says, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks that they have professional confidence, I have more. Basically, whatever you've achieved, I've done more than you. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, uh, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. He basically goes through his quick resume, and to a Western audience, a lot of this stuff wouldn't make sense, but to his, in his day, this was impressive. This was going to Harvard. This was starting a unicorn startup, right? This was achieving everything you could professionally. And he says that he was blameless, that his professional resume is perfect. But then verse 7 changes everything. And he says, but whatever gain I had, whatever achievements I had, I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish or trash in order that I may gain Christ. And if you've been listening the last few minutes and you feel like you're in this camp, I want to encourage you that you are whole and you are complete in Christ. 
Your value is not found in your accomplishments. It's found in Christ. All right, let's go to the, uh, the next one, which is idle, I-D-L-E. And the definition of I-D-L-E is that work is no longer good or desirable. This could be caused due to, due to burnout, which we talked about earlier, or this could be just not being able to connect to the vision and mission of your work. The symptoms of this might be that work's merely a means to an end. It's looking at the clock and counting down the minutes every single day. It's living for the weekend. And you get to a point where your work may completely frustrate you. And the challenge with this is that your work actually becomes divorced from your Christian discipleship. There's a spiritual imbalance that occurs. The key question here is, how do you feel every morning when you have to start work? Do you feel despondent? Do you feel like complaining? Do you feel passive, like you're score settling? You're cor- you wanna cut a corner, you're just joyless and burnt out? As I mentioned earlier, the challenge is spiritual imbalance. It's that we neglect a major area of our lives where God could be and should be working. We're no longer fighting against apathy. I studied industrial engineering in college, and the second law of thermodynamics is that everything moves from a state of order to chaos. It's a a scientific law, right? So everything in cosmos moves from order to chaos. And the same thing is true in our lives. I, I, I think of order to chaos and apathy as this giant river that we're constantly having to either swim against or stand firm against. And the challenge is that when we give up fighting against apathy in the area of work, we often have given up fighting apathy in other areas of our lives, in spiritual and physical disciplines, in time with God, etc. And so in times when I've been idle in my work, I've taken comfort in two verses. The first verse is 1 Corinthians 15, 58, which is Paul again saying, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. That idea of standing in that river of apathy. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your, Lord, your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And if you've been listening the last few minutes and you think, I'm probably idle, I-D-L-E, in my work, I want to encourage you to give yourselves fully to the work, knowing that you work for King Jesus. And that when you work for King Jesus, your labor is not in vain. And remember, as he says in Ephesians 6-7, that we work for God, not for man. We work for eternity. So I talked a little bit about building our own kingdom, but there's another way, right? We can build God's kingdom. And I want to talk a little bit about this idea of kingdom, just so we're clear. The kingdom of God was established when Jesus came to earth. It's just one of of these ideas where it's not fully realized, but it is here now. And so we have the opportunity today to live for the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is the domain surrendered to the authority of God. It's anywhere where God is king. That could be our hearts, our workplaces. It could be the nations, the cosmos. Habakkuk 2.14 says that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the waters, or cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And where does the water cover the sea? Everywhere. Eventually, God's kingdom will be the entire cosmos. It will be everywhere. 
And so when we think about honoring God in the workplace, I think we can often fall into three buckets. And I'm going to go through these, and these are really well intended as well. And so the first one's the pragmatist. So this individual just focuses on the quality of their work. They talk just about, you know, they're, they're, it's kind of a misconception of the Martin Luther quote, right? It's that ultimately God is glorified by just my work, and I'm going to keep my mouth shut when it comes to the good news that Jesus saves. But God is interested in not just good craftsmanship, but also the idea of making disciples everywhere we go. The second is the witness. This individual only focuses on the conversations that we have with our coworkers. This is the person that just, all they, all they care about are those conversations at lunch or at the water cooler. They don't really care about the quality of their actual work as long as they're having good spiritual conversations with their coworker. And their professional role is just what kind of gets them into the building to minister to others. But there's a third way, and it's the blend of both. This idea is kings and queens, and this approach partners with God's spirit to usher in the kingdom of God in our workplaces, to bring flourishing and the fruit of the spirit that we showed earlier. As image bearers, we were created to rule and to reign over all of creation, to cultivate, create, and equip. What would you do in the workplace if you didn't fear, if you didn't have any fear of ramifications from HR or fear of what your coworkers thought about you? What would you do in the workplace if you recognized God was with you every single moment of every single day? What would you do if we viewed our work with that eternal perspective that we're building God's kingdom, a kingdom that will never fade? This is how a king and queen lives in the workplace, ushering in the kingdom of God. Our God is not a God of coincidences. He has you in your workplaces, with your coworkers, on your projects, for a divine reason. Everything God does has purpose and intent. You could be the only Christian in your workplace. This is oftentimes what I find myself. I'm the only Christian on my project, or I'm the only Christian that one of my coworkers has ever really met. And think about how the fruit of the Spirit we discussed earlier could transform your workplace. You see, work is the front lines for Jesus and the gospel. Many people think that's just for folks that are outside of the U.S. or individuals that are in missions work. No. Each and every one of us, every single day, is on the front lines of God's kingdom. We have the opportunity to share the good news of everlasting joy and everlasting peace and reconciliation to a good creator with our coworkers every day. We're all part of God's starting lineup, and there's tremendous glory in how we work. All right, so I know I've been talking a lot about this in, in kind of like a 30,000-foot level, so I want to just quickly make this really pr practical. And I'm going to talk a little bit about how we specifically live as kings and queens. So you can start anywhere. I've got three examples right here. So the first one could be personal. It could be that you're growing in your understanding of how God works through work, realizing the potential of marketplace missions that we're all on. Some great resources here that I've listed. Um, two to call out, Faith and Work Chicago, which is a great organization that's connected to Tim Keller's Redeemer City to City. They do a phenomenal job equipping individuals. 
The next one could be company. It could be um, starting a workplace movement, a Bible study, a small group. Um, We're going to be hearing from uh, two of my close friends a little bit about that in just a few minutes. Um, Great organization that helps with that is Faith and Work Movement, which is different from Faith and Work Chicago, but very similar. Um, And remember, it just takes one. I can't tell you how many times I've been the only person in a Bible study or in a prayer meeting, but eventually people come, and eventually I've seen God's Spirit move. Then the last one could be uh, the city. It could be connecting with others in Chicago and thinking about how do these workplace movements actually impact the city and ultimately the nations. Some great organizations there, some of those even connected to Park, like uh, Renew Chicago. All right, so now that I've been talking about this framework, I'm going to actually have two of my great friends, Katie and Jenna, come up and share a little bit about how this actually looks in their lives. Check, check. Is it on? Yeah, okay. Hi, everyone. My name's Katie. Um, This is my friend Jenna, and we know Josh through Faith and Work, so what he just mentioned, that organization. Um, So a little bio about me. I've been in Chicago for four years, and um, I'm a consultant, so I started at Deloitte with Josh. I'll let you give a little intro. Um, My name is Jenna Felsen. I've lived in Chicago about two years, and I work at CA Ventures as an investor um, relations associate. So we're going to break this down into a couple of stories. So um, just to start, like what Josh has been explaining is hard to do. So we've been trying. We're not perfect. We're not experts. But we wanted to share a couple of stories about how this has looked for us in our workplaces. So to start, um, we're going to break it into personal, community, and city. So personally, um, I started my career at Deloitte. And one of the first idols that God kind of revealed to me was that I liked telling people that I worked at Deloitte. I don't know if anyone can relate to that, but it's like a pride thing. I went to business school and like you wanted to work for one of the big names basically. So that was something God removed in my life. Um, another, and like he's removed so many idols for me in the past year. But another thing is um, I had the work thing down, but I didn't have the caring about people thing down. So an example is um, I was at the airport yesterday coming home from Dallas and one of my coworkers asked if I wanted to get a drink. And normally I'd be like, no, I'm good. Like, I'm just going to hang out and maybe do my, like, what I thought was my calling and, like, message some people or, like, do some ministry work. But I was like, no, like, he asked me to get a drink. I'm going to sit with him. So I was sitting with him and honestly, like, really excited to love on him and, like, serve him. And so I was just, I was encouraging things I saw in him and sitting across from him. And he started sharing something that he's been going through. It's like a burden he's been carrying. And he... He was like, I actually haven't shared this with anyone on the team. I just joined the team. He's been on it for a year and a half. So he was like, can you, like, not share this with anyone else? So I was able to encourage him. And I was like, that is totally God. Like, I don't know how he just brought that up. So for me now, I'm, I'm kind of on fire for going into my workplace and trying to serve people the way I would as a missionary. And so, yeah, I see a lot more purpose in it now. And I'll let you share your personal story. So I think the personal transformation happened for me kind of simultaneously when I switched jobs. So I used to work at J.P. Morgan as an analyst, and I placed a lot of identity in that title. And I feel like because I was at the bottom of the totem pole, I felt like I had no value and I didn't feel like my work mattered. So I was very shy and I didn't speak up and I didn't bring God into the workplace at all. 
And so when I moved jobs, start, kind of when I joined Faith and Work, I started to love people radically and even people that don't deserve it. So my um, story, it actually happened last month. I have a coworker that was cussing me out and was really stressed out. And honestly, the old me would have shied back and probably avoided him because I just, it was a really bad, toxic environment. But I brought it to um, my girl group and we just prayed for him. And that's something that I didn't think that I could do before was like pray for my coworkers. It's never, it's something that I even thought to do. And I've started to see, see transformation in him over the last month. And he came to me last week and he said, hey, like I'm just here for you and I wanna support you. And he's like the last guy that would ever do that. So it was just a really cool God moment and that was my personal story. So now we'll go to community. Yeah, community and then city. So community, Jen and I are both in a couple different communities. Um, for myself, my first project at Deloitte got scrapped by the CEO. So there's a, a CEO switch. I had poured a, my full first year of work into it. And I recognized that the only work that I had done that was of any significance had been what I had done for my church. So I was like a project manager for the social media team at my church. Looking back on that year, I was realizing all of my work is gone except for what I was doing outside of work. So now I, I see the, the value of doing both my job well, but then also being involved in the community and um, not putting all my eggs in one basket in terms of like my purpose and my work. So um, I know you have a story too for this one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think the awesome thing about um, community outside of work is that I've really developed as a leader and I've been able to bring that leadership into the workplace, even though I don't have a ton of um, like leadership at work. So it's been really cool because I actually have a coworker that um, moved to Chicago from Mexico. She barely speaks English and I just felt it on my heart that I needed to bring community to her. So I started inviting her to uh, my church group and a book club that I run. And she told me, she says, this is community that I never knew that I needed. And it's just been so cool to like bring that to her. And now we're like super close at work. And it's just been so cool to watch God work in her life. All right, lastly, city. So currently what I'm walking through is about a month ago, if you'd asked me where I'd be living in the next couple of years, I would have said Chicago, like getting a car, getting a dog, getting married in Chicago, gonna move to the suburbs. So about four weeks ago, God put Hawaii on my heart and I was like, that is not coming for me. Like, I don't know, I'd wanna stay in Chicago. Within the last two weeks, I've sold everything. Um, I'm gonna be volunteering at YWAM, which is a mission base that it's all about discipleship in Hawaii. Like the position opened up, everything fell into place and I have peace about it. Um, but something that I wanted to point out is I still feel really called to the corporate world. So I, I recognize that a lot of people would go to a place like YWAM to serve and kind of dedicate your life to God, but there aren't as many people who are called to the workplace to be a light. So like the same fire I carry with going to YWAM, I wanna carry into my workplace. So it's worth it to me to wake up at 4 a.m. in Hawaii and do my day job and then serve after that. And so that's kind of where I'm at is like, okay, God, like you've called me. It's kind of like the pyramid you showed, like the top and the bottom, like how can I be a light in both and try to do what God's calling me to do right now. So, um, and then you wanted to talk about communities and the strength, right? Yes. So like Josh mentioned before, like we are the back door to um, being the light in our workplaces. And there's some people that are probably never gonna experience that kind of love um, unless we show it at the workplace. So, you know, even though we're not perfect at it and it's hard every single day, like that's what motivates me to keep going. Um, and it's communities like this, it's communities like Faith and Work Chicago that honestly fill me up to keep going every day. Um, so yeah, I will give it back to you. Awesome. Oh, you're good. 
Yeah, give it, give it up for them. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Jenna. Thanks, Katie. All right, there we go. Getting back in. All right, cool. Um, so we're going to wrap up now, and we're going to turn it to discussion. But I just want to recenter everyone on the big idea tonight, which is that if you remember one thing tonight, remember this, that God has eternal purpose for your work, and when you center your work on Christ, you partner with God in making all things new at your work. So a parting question is, whose kingdom are you building? Are you aiming to make your name great, or are you aiming to make God's name great? Are you serving yourself, or are you serving others? Are you storing up treasures now, or are you investing in the kingdom of God that will never fade? Whose kingdom are you building? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for tonight. I thank you for the opportunity uh, to talk about work and to talk about your grand design and your ultimate vision for work. Father, I pray for those who may be coming in tonight feeling really isolated, really burnt out, really discouraged in their work. And Father, I pray that you would just meet them where they are. I pray that you would... Uh, bring to mind your vision and your purpose, that you have an eternal purpose and that you're giving them an opportunity to be able to advance your kingdom and to show the love of Christ to others. I pray that uh, they would recognize that their work matters to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.